episodes, like my back, everything hurts afterwards because you know I'm like sitting on the floor or something like that, <laughs> or in in the you know I'm sitting on the floor in a closet and then yeah. I, I get up and I realize I haven't moved positions in over an hour and I <laughs> then I can't move after that. It's that, like that, that sounds like it's me. Pretty painful. That sounds like me whenever I am just so tired at night and then I'll like. Uh, want to fall asleep on the couch, but Grace wants more room on the couch, so I'll like lay on the floor, and it's comfortable for the first like <laughs> fifteen minutes. It's comfortable until yeah. like I I'm asleep and it's not anymore, but I'm already asleep, so I can't move, and then I'll wake up and not be able to. <sighs> oh, I remember one time waking up and I had fallen asleep with my legs like hyperextended the <laughs> other direction. Like somehow I had fallen asleep oh, no. in my. Oh god! And like my knees were like bending kind of the other way, and I guess at the moment it must have been comfortable. But then I like I I literally couldn't walk. Like I woke up and I just collapsed. Were they just locked back the other way? Yeah, I, I they just weren't. Uh, yeah, I think so. And and then when they did when they did bend the other way, they just buckled because I don't know maybe blood flow had been cut off or something. But it was like I think I like yeah I, I almost my legs were almost gangrenous. Oh like, god! After that, well, I'll, nap. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you what, maybe maybe twenty twenty is the year where no hugging, no learning gets that sweet sweet ad money, and we can both buy our own private studios, and we can just like do a studio to studio link. That sounds good. A <laughs> <laughs> direct link. Yes. Oh lordy. <laughs> Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we're going to be talking about not the marine biologist, which is what Ted said at the end of last week's episode, and I don't keep track of those kind of things, but (laughs) when I went to, we're going to be talking about the dinner party, which is season five, episode 13, but when I went to Hulu to watch, I started watching the dinner party, Uh and then I saw, and I finished it, and then I saw the next episode was the marine biologist, and I was like, oh, no, and so I went to, you know, I went to Wikipedia to see what the episode order was, and they had it right, so I, I texted you as quickly as I could to see which episode, you know, either that you had watched or which one you were going to watch and, and anyway i guess there just must have been a mix-up somewhere yeah i think uh, i think that one's just on me i think i just read the wrong episode on hulu probably so what that means going back to last week's episode is that the whale bit is two episodes early not just yes. one which makes it even crazier <laughs> which makes it even crazier <laughs> i i can't <laughs> can't believe that yeah it's it's really it, it's even weirder than we thought <laughs> we did have uh some leftovers and homework and stuff like that from last week's episode first let me go two episodes back i, I don't think i even mentioned this um did i from the conversion well first all right let me see i don't even know where to start first of all remember how excited i was that i thought i coined the term stained glass ceiling yes well, stained glass ceiling has its own wiki page, and it means exactly what I was in the, in the context. I was. I should have known that I wasn't as clever as I thought so, I was. So, so the stained glass only, ceiling isn't. So not only did you not coin the term, but it's got its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like of course I should have figured. It's just such a good turn of phrase, it, it, and it means exactly what we were talking about. A sociological phenomenon in religious communities similar to the concept of the glass ceiling revolving around the apparent difficulty for women who uh, to seek to gain a role within church leadership. So that's it. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, when I Googled it, I was like, let's see if there is a Vice article called Stained Glass Ceiling. But no, it's more than that. It's, it's uh, already, you know, already a saying. So, of course, I should have known. Uh, and then also, you know, it was a good time. The conversion was a great episode to start talking about what religion george and his family actually are the costanzas mm-hmm. and i mentioned this um that this interview with and this is from page six so i don't know if that's where the first place it public was published was but jerry stiller says we were given the name costanza which sounds italian but there were episodes where i cooked jewish food and ate knishes and kasha varnishkis in bed that's where uh you know, we talked about kasha before. Oh yeah, uh, which is you know a Jewish food. And he said when people ask when people ask me about this, I would simply say it was because we were a Jewish family in the witness protection program. So <laughs> I kind of had the quote right. I think I might have said Italian family or something like that. But that's Jerry Stiller's answer. Oh, um, and okay. that's all I have from the conversion. But now from <laughs> the last episode, which was the stall, uh, there was a lot to go over. A lot to go over. Okay. Um, first. We wanted to know about nine seven six numbers because we both heard of one nine hundred numbers, or at least we're familiar with them within our lifetimes. And and I was familiar with nine seven six numbers only from 
pop culture stuff like episodes of Seinfeld or the movie 976 Evil, like I mentioned. So uh, the area code 900 went into service January 1st, 1971. But get this, the first known usage is for a radio show called Ask President Carter in 1977. (laughs) Yeah, so it wasn't really used until 77, uh, hosted by Walter Cronkite. And so I guess you could call... You know, and ask, uh, but it, it wasn't um, a premium rate by that time. Okay, it was just it was just a number. I think it was like so. It was like just a kind of a choke point number where you know only so many people could call it at once because they knew it would be very popular, or something like that. But by 1980, the area code was completely restructured to be premium rate special area code remains today. So even earlier than one nine hundred, though nine seven six numbers used as a local prefix were not assigned to a specific telephone exchange like other prefixes. These numbers were dialed like any other number nine seven six one two three four. So you could, I guess, essentially be anywhere and dial a 976 number. Whoa. A call to uh, a 976 number can result in a high per minute or per call charge. For example, the psychic hotline type, that may be 299 for the first minute, 99 mm-hmm. cents for each additional minute. So um, it's basically what we thought about 976 numbers, but you know, I, I don't know any more information about that, like about the technology of it, I guess, is what kind of I was interested in. But 976, I guess, predates and even goes beyond 1900 because definitely by the time this episode aired in 94... Or, oh or whatever God, it was. Yeah. yeah, I guess 94. Like, 1-900 numbers were definitely around. So and I, a more recent reference, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, though, like, maybe 976 numbers were still being used as... Like a, a local number, maybe? Yeah, I guess they must have been. It says 976, 970, or 540 in some markets like New York State. So New York State even had three different ones. So, oh, man. <laughs> though it was not assigned to a specific telephone exchange like other prefixes. Yeah, I don't know. Just kind of just kind of confusing about what the difference is. And if you were a business that wanted to use one of these, how you would get one or the other. I don't know. I guess just go through your phone company and figure it out that way. Um is what they would do. Ima- uh, I imagine, did- imagine just being like the one person who randomly gets a 976 number, like after <laughs> yeah. the 976 numbers are a thing. And it's just like, oh yeah, this is my grandma. Her ni- her number is 976-5555. And just a bunch of like yeah. old creepy dudes calling her. Actually, that's kind of a brilliant idea. You could like get a 976 number and these days people wouldn't notice any difference. They'd just be like, oh, I wonder where he's from or whatever. And then they call you and then they get a huge phone bill. at the end, Like, what the <laughs> fuck i talked to ted for 30 seconds and it, it, it cost me 15 dollars or whatever <laughs> like oh sorry man i thought you knew 976 you know <laughs> yeah i i got that premium number baby <laughs> yeah i think that'd be hilarious yeah just give me a call 976 we should get a 976 no hugging number oh my that you god can call and like hear a special message from from I, the host of no hugging no learning <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure like 976 hugs is one of those numbers <laughs> gotta be out there yeah Nine seven six hugs. <laughs> Call here. I do remember specifically one of the main uses of one nine hundred because, like you know, any like with any new technology, people didn't catch on immediately, and so they would call one nine hundred numbers and then get surprised by these giant bills. Uh-huh. But I do remember watching Saturday morning cartoons. Santa Claus had a one nine hundred number. What? It's like ask your parents if you can call me, kids. One nine hundred Santa Claus or whatever, I, I, and you I could remember, hear. I don't even think you could talk. Yeah, like I, I, I remember like every every premium hotline was a one nine hundred number. It's not just like sexy like phone sex. No, yeah, <laughs> you know, sexy phone sex. Um, it's, sexy phone sex. Yeah, it's not the only thing. I remember like the old WCW hotline was a one nine hundred number. I, rem- I remember like the old yes, of course, like yeah. the, the the Mean Gene. Uh, was it Mean Gene? I think I think it was Mean Gene's uh, hotline was one nine hundred. Yeah, and the like Nintendo Power tip line. You yes, know, if you were stuck in a video yes. game, you could call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So totally. Yeah, but I remember you know I think the Santa Claus people like kind of got in trouble because kids were just calling this one nine hundred number and but you know they, they got around. They were like, ask your parents to call and you could call and talk to santa claus or whatever it was oh my for 2.99 a minute yeah yeah i did do my dan cortez deep dive as promised he played tony the mimbo <laughs> in the last episode the stall hey and hey, here's something tony, i learned about hey tony hey, hey tony yeah they're saying hey to me oh hey, no tony <laughs> Here's something I didn't know about Dan Cortez. He's from the Pittsburgh area. Really? Yeah. Dan Cortez is from Sewickley, which I think is uh, in the South Hills. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's where it's like in your backyard right now, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Every every day I turn around and I learn about a new Pittsburgher (laughs) that I I never knew about. There's so many people, you know, from the area. It's crazy. Every every day you turn Uh, around in your backyard and you wave to Dan Cortez because he is there in your backyard. He is watching you living in my backyard. Uh, He Cortez, as I mentioned, uh, first came to prominence as the host 
host of the Emmy winning uh, Emmy award winning show MTV Sports from 1992 to 1997. He was also MC of the MTV Rock and Jock series of events. And get this, I don't know if he was around during this time because his tenure on MTV Sports ended in 97. But just three years later, and maybe it's because he left. Guess what they did, Ted? What? So of course MTV did Rock and Jock baseball, uh-huh. Rock and Jock basketball. In 2000, they did Rock and Jock bowling. Yes, hell yeah. <laughs> I thought you didn't get a rush from bowling, but evidently MTV <laughs> thinks otherwise. Uh, I definitely the kids remember are ready for bowling. I definitely remember, like in the mid two thousands, I thought it was like a, a long running thing. Apparently, it must have just been like a one off thing. There was definitely a rock and jock football game that was like uh, the same weekend as the Super Bowl, and I definitely remember. Oh. I definitely remember that there was a performance by Chingy, and uh, nice. I, I think he may have also been one of the coaches or one of the players. I don't know, man. It was it was really weird. No, that sounds about right. That all that sounds like that all that <laughs> tracks with what I remember from the Rock and Shock experience. <laughs> Uh, uh, I do want to mention something that I remember seeing on MTV Sports and making fun of in uh, gym class my freshman year. So I guess this would have been like 95, mm-hmm. 96. So uh, Dan Cortez surely would have been still hosting. And I remember them doing a special on extreme walking. Yes. And looking back on it now, it only just occurred to me when these like MTV Sports memories were, were popping back up in my head that, and my friends and I were like making fun of it. You know, you'd like <laughs> walk up to a wall and just sort of like kick off of it. Or you'd be walking yeah. next to a bench and you just like Hell jump up yeah. on the bench and jump off. And, but it occurred to me that I was like, was that the beginnings of parkour? Oh my God. Which oh my is kind God. of extreme. I, I think you might be onto something. I think extreme walking is just another way to say parkour. And they didn't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't see anything totally cool. I, you know, I don't remember anything, any like jumps over balconies and, and jumping up unreachable onto an unreachable ledge by kicking back and forth. I don't remember anything like that, but uh-huh. it might have been its infancy. You know, <laughs> I think parkour might have evolved from extreme walking. Do you remember? Do you know the uh, the Rick and Morty meme where it's like, huh, this thing that just sounds like that thing with extra steps? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, it's uh, it, it's uh, just like one of the popular meme formats, but it, it's just parkour. Yeah. That just sounds like extreme walking with extra steps. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I'm sorry for making fun of extreme walking in 95, because obviously look what it became. And of course, an interesting note here about Dan Cortez, another one. From 97 to 2000, Dan Cortez starred opposite Kirstie Alley in Veronica's Closet, which was part of NBC's must-see TV lineup, a must-see TV Thursday night lineup. So what that means (laughs) is from 1997 to 1998, Seinfeld was the lead-in to the Dan Cortez show, Veronica's Closet. Oh my God. For one beautiful season dan cortez got bachelored he appeared on the show in 94 and then he got his own spinoff later on yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so seinfeld was a lead-in and then the next the next season they had another great lead-in frazier was the lead-in so yeah okay (laughs) and then it was canceled after that it was canceled in 2000 i think like i mentioned so going back to the episode during rehearsals cortez improvised the line step off which became the catchphrase that Larry David insisted was used for the episode. I, so that's kind of cool to know that Dan Cortez improvised his his speech to George. Yeah, wow. I, I didn't know that yeah. Like so, someone of his caliber, and, and I don't mean like of his huge celebrity stature, I mean yes. like of his almost like unknown stature they would just give him the freedom yeah. to like improv a line i know i know but you know that that i think just that just speaks to larry david's strengths as a writer and improviser whatever you want to say is that like you know what you do best that's why we hired you so that's true what would you say if you were in a fight because two nerdy guys like larry david larry uh charles and si- three nerdy guys like <laughs> like that larry charles i think wrote the episode why would they try to write a mimbo if they're not believe it or not i have a lot more i have a lot more stuff to get to from, oh my God. from homework so i'll try to get through this <laughs> Well, while I was doing a deep dive on Dan Cortez, I, you know, I saw that you could click on Jamie Gertz's name. She played Jane slash Erica in the last episode. Okay. Um, and I realized when I did that, where I recognized her from, she's Bill Paxton's wife in Twister. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yeah. 
a long time ago, but not for not for a very very long time. I think I saw it whenever I was yeah, like, was so, what, what year did it come out? Do you know off the top of your head? I want to say like 90, 97, it would be my guess. I, I must have seen it in like whew, the early 2000s. I think I saw it before I was 10 and then never again. Yeah, it says 96. So for some reason, it's one of those that I just, you know, came out when I was in high school and, and it was like a phenomenon. You know, people loved this movie. And so it was a huge blockbuster. And it's one of those movies that when it's on, I can definitely watch it anytime. But Bill Paxson's wife in it is kind of like timid, you know, and like he's a, a storm chaser who's gotten out of the biz and then he's getting back into it and she like leaves in the middle of the movie because you know she can't handle his dangerous lifestyle or whatever yeah. she was also in the lost boys she was on ally mcbeal so she got her own tv show a little bit later on too uh, as kimmy bishop she was nominated for an emmy for outstanding guest actress in a comedy series for ally mcbeal Ooh. and get this along with her husband tony wrestler she is part owner of the atlanta hawks and the milwaukee brewers what? how's that for a weird fact about jane yeah i know that's, that's really weird i part of me just wants to know why one team in atlanta and one team in milwaukee it's it has to do with a um like investment group that they're partners in with one other dude oh okay but why they you know uh, so i guess they were just inexpensive and they're just pure money makers for them yeah there's no, there's yeah, no like sense. there's no like where we love this city like there is with say <laughs> pittsburgh for instance you know or yeah. or chicago i don't know if chicago is like that i'm just kind of guessing that they probably have owners who are like dyed in the wool city we've lived in the city all our life people <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure um, i'm sure there so, are i'm sure there are for sure yeah just moving on zippy the pinhead is the protagonist of zippy an american comic strip created by bill griffith and <laughs> zippy zippy the pinhead who also has um uh micro who's micro cephalic i think is how you say it so it has a very tiny like i mentioned kind of a, looks like a cone head and it was inspired by Shieldsy from the film Freaks, which was enjoying a cult revival at the time Zippy was created. <laughs> okay. Um, and Zippy the Pinhead, who Jerry says, "Are you worried Tony's going to look like that after you know his after he heals after falling off the rock?" Um, so that's where that came from. But here's the thing: Zippy also invented the catchphrase, "Are we having fun yet?" Wait, what? Really? Isn't that crazy? That, that yeah, seems, like, that, are that we having fun yet? As like a sarcastic kind of dumb huh. comment. That seems like such just a general thing to say. That that seems like. Oh yeah, this character invented the phrase "hello." Yeah, well, well, now it is a general thing to say because of Zippy the Pinhead. It's in it, it's documented in Bartlett's famous quotations or whatever. Like that's wow. the book that gives people the yeah gives people credit for creating um, you know phrases and stuff like that. So I found that shocking too. <laughs> I I mean, hey, if uh, if we're just gonna like credit general like phrases to a bunch of characters, then I, I feel like I feel like you and I can definitely get credited for a few of the things that we bring up on this show. Well, we have to we have to make them part of the zeitgeist. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah, they have to become popular enough. And I guess are we having fun yet? Was used enough, and uh, you know, apparently Zippy the Pinhead gets credit for it. I mean, that, um, that's, that's, all right. Only a few more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Keep going with the homework. We gotta, we gotta get through okay. this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's a lot more than I expected to be, you know, <laughs> in this episode. Larry Charles got the idea from for the toilet paper argument from a from a Dear Abby letter. We don't know what letter specifically, but that's uh, a little bit of trivia. Michael Richards said the episode contained one of his biggest regrets from Seinfeld. Let me complete that. I'm sure he has a much bigger regret than. <laughs> Than this in general. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, his whole comedy but... store deal is probably a pretty big regret. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say not that we could think of anything specific, but no, yeah. I think you nailed it. I think yeah. it's the comedy store yeah. thing would have to be. <laughs> so immediately after filming, he realized that the rock climbing scene had great potential for physical comedy, which he thought his performance neglected to tap into. I thought he did a fine job, like swinging around, jumping around George, and just. Yeah. I wonder what he would have done more with it, though. I would have loved <laughs> to have known what he would have done with it. I I wanna I wanna know like if he would have just done a kind of like a standing backflip while suspended there on the ropes and just tried to like. I, I mean, because he's jumping around George again, like you just said. I don't know what else he could have done. Yeah. Uh, let me leave the so the the stall had a different ending that I actually love. But let me get to that at the at the last as the last little bit because of it's an ending. So the episode gives us the only look at the bathroom in Monk's coffee shop. How about that? Uh, it was probably Whoa. the same set as the bathroom in the movie theater. Yeah, I think but it was. still, it's supposed to be in the coffee <laughs> shop. So. <laughs> 
uh, unless this is the um, universe where uh, monks and the movie theater share a bathroom. Very well could be with two <laughs> stalls for a megaplex and a coffee shop. It yeah, might be. exactly. Um, and in this episode, Kramer calls monks by its name. Usually they just say the coffee shop. We talked about that very early on. Oh, like, yeah. When I was calling it monks and you were like, when do they, how do we know it's monks? You know, and, and I think they referred to it very early on as monks, but this is one of the, they, they don't normally do that. This is no. one of the only other episodes. Wow, I didn't even yeah. pick up on that. This is the first of only two episodes where Jerry is seen using his computer. I referenced that at the beginning. I was like, Jerry's on his computer, which we don't see very often. Yeah. And we're not going to, we're not going to see him use it again until season nine. What? Really? <laughs> He goes. Yeah. He goes four years without being on the computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there just wasn't much use for it in the mid '90s, I guess. I guess. Um, damn. And the ending of the stall was cut due to length constraints. But I love this. This is so much. And I was kind of saying at the end of the episode, I was like, everybody gets what they wanted. You know, Jerry and his girlfriend break up. He didn't like blow it with a woman he would have stayed with. What he did was, you know, he blew it. He found out something about a woman that he wouldn't have liked anyway, and she, you know, leaves him and and Kramer like nobody gets Elaine gets some sweet revenge Mm -hmm. but she never gets her come up and see either but get this the final scene had Elaine and Tony happily rock climbing together with Tony's face completely healed he's still the beautiful Dan Cortez however upon noticing a pimple on Elaine's face Tony breaks up with her and leaves her stranded halfway up the mountain what (laughs) yeah isn't that hilarious like so Elaine was being so superficial the whole time and she gets left for you know thinking about leaving him if he's disfigured but he ends up leaving him just because she has a pimple. Wow. Oh, my God. Babe, yep. babe, you got to pop that pimple, babe. <laughs> uh, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> uh, babe, you, your face is gross, babe. <laughs> Uh, and then, so one final thing is we wanted to come up with another better synopsis for the episode, which okay. was like something about Elaine and blah, blah, blah. So here's what I came up with. Okay. Without knowing it, Elaine has a confrontation with Jerry's new girlfriend, whose voice Kramer recognizes. Meanwhile, George is enamored with Elaine's boyfriend. What do you think about that? I know it's lengthy, it, but it's very I think it covers long. a lot of ground. It's very long, but I think it does cover everything that needs to be covered. And I am willing to accept yeah. that as the episode description and i i think we, i think it is if i do say so myself much better than the one that they came up with which i, I don't even remember what it was but it was it, it didn't describe the episode at all it was uh elaine agonizes over a woman's refusal to pass her some toilet tissue when she finds that her restroom stall is lacking yeah that describes the first five seconds it does yeah um but i i definitely like yours better thank you thank you all right <laughs> we'll we'll write to hulu <laughs> I, I yeah, we, we will we will take care of the proper communications with Wikipedia and TV Guide and Hulu and in the future Netflix. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Or Peacock or whoever is going to get it. <laughs> I think it's Netflix, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Hulu to Netflix. That's right. I knew I wasn't worried about it. I was like, I knew it was going to one that I'd already I'd already had. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all so the that time that we it, have for not. today. Uh, this is this has been no hugging, no learning. Uh, <laughs> oh, eventually. We might have to just do mini episodes and then actual episode episodes. Uh, well, now there's a few things that I wanted to get into before we get into the episode. <laughs> I want to point out, uh, do you know the podcast 20,000 Hertz? I think you've mentioned it before. Okay, well, it, it's all about like uh, sound design and like just like audio that you would never think of uh, whenever you're like watching a movie or watching a TV show or playing mm-hmm. a video game. Well, they had their, their most recent episode, actually, but they had an episode that is all about the sound design of Seinfeld. And all about, like, the theme song. And I had no idea that this was the case. But did you know the theme song and all of the interstitial music in every single episode is played new for each episode? It is not pre-recorded. There aren't, like, uh, sound bites. Everything, that slap bass is played new for every single episode. You know what? Actually, I did know that because I had a little trivia bit about the composer, Jonathan Wolf that I was going to get to one day. Um, and <laughs> he said he would get a detailed list of that week's opening lines and use them to influence a new jazzy riff. That's insane. I I, I, yeah. I love the detail. I, I love that they put that much thought into it. But oh my good lord! <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's one of those things that like you got to respect that whenever a filmmaker or a composer, anybody in, in art, does like something that you know. I hear about this all the time. Like if it's 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 good enough at here, 
But if you can, I've heard that Dan Harmon is like this. If I can make it one tenth funnier, if I can do something nobody's going to notice, and I'm going to be pleased with it because it's one tenth funnier, I want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. so that's even what Jonathan Wolf said himself. He said it was a little bit more labor intensive than most of the other shows because I had to redo that opening every time, but it was worth it. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a waste. Even as I was doing them, I knew it wasn't a waste. He was funny. He was creating new material. As long as he's creating new t- material, I'll do the same thing and I'll create along with him. How yeah. about that? And that, that's that's awesome. And even though like the the theme song and all the interstitials they're generally the same thing and that's kind of what uh uh i I forget who is interviewed on Twenty Thousand hertz it may even be jonathan wolf but he says Mm -hmm. for the most part it's exactly the same it's the same like kind of like melody but it's never gonna be Mm -hmm. exactly the same yeah that is pretty cool yeah because you could sing the seinfeld theme song i mean you do it all the time you know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's like our theme song, too. So it, it has a tune. But as you were saying, it, it's kind of interesting that it's tweaked. It was tweaked slightly every single mm-hmm. week just to kind of fit it. I'm going to really try now that we've like mentioned it. I'm going to really try to pay attention. OK, next time. All right. But and uh, see if it like see how it fits in with his opening lines and stuff. OK. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Nathan at Hint of Sarcasm on Twitter. He reached out to us and said that he had finished binging through all of our episodes and wanted to know like what he was going to listen to now. So I told him about that. I told him about a couple of other podcasts that I really like, uh, The Truth and Doughboys, and uh, he. I think he listened to the Seinfeld episode because he's like, well, this is fate because it's their new episode, so <laughs> I, I'm hoping that he binges through all of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I might have checked that out. I'm, I'm interested in that. Once I work through my two gig podcast <laughs> queue. Uh, man, you'll, you'll, you'll get through it pretty, pretty soon with your hour commute to work and back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's two ways. Okay, do we have anything else before we get into the episode? I don't think so. Okay, Believe so it or not. if you've never listened to us before, uh, we are not a re- <laughs> uh Can I even say this now? Yeah, <laughs> <Can> I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah good point. We-, we just did double a Mark Marin intro. Uh- <laughs> Uh, believe it or not we are not typically a research heavy show we like to do research and assign it to ourselves as homework and do it the week after and follow up on the questions that we have for ourselves but if we skip over anything as we are watching the episode if we egregiously miss something please send us an email send us a tweet at no hugging on twitter or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are in the episode description or on the show description on apple podcasts if you do like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcasts if you do that we will send you a no hugging no learning sticker when we get those made those do not exist yet and i don't know tim if you saw this but i tweeted out on the at no hugging accounts different sticker ideas i don't know if we should get the cutout design of just the logo Mm -hmm. or if we should get like a square design of the artwork which would be the logo and monks in the background i'm thinking i'm thinking the cutout of just the logo i don't know if you have any input or if anybody listening has any input uh but if you if you want to sway the decision please tweet us email us or just uh yell at us another way yeah yeah i i honestly couldn't decide i was gonna vote and i was like i don't know which one Um, but the cutout sounds good to me okay all right well, with that being said, Season 5, Episode 13, The Dinner Party, original air date, February 3rd, 1994. And I know whenever I had mentioned uh, our next episode was The Marine Biologist, both of us were thrown off that it was five weeks after the stall. This is still four weeks after the stall. They still took a month off. Um, I'm, so I'm wondering if this was a uh, Winter Olympics year. Yeah, yeah. Because the last episode was the sixth and then the, the third. Yeah, 94. I want to say it was was okay um actually yeah that makes a lot of sense 1994 because we're coming up on the summer olympics in 2020 which means that 2022 will be the winter olympics yeah the 1994 winter olympics were in norway yeah lillehammer lillehammer norway all right I I, sh- I should know this yep. I so wa- that explains it I, I watched uh what was that movie with margot robbie oh uh, oh yeah um, i tanya I am Tanya. I Tanya. There you yes, go. Yes, that was actually really good. <laughs> I know. I uh, we started it and then we had to stop it for some reason. <laughs> I don't remember, and then we never went back to it. Okay, so uh, original air date, like I said, February third, nineteen ninety four. I was one year, one month, and fourteen days old. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see. En route to a dinner party, Elaine and Jerry pair off to find a perfect dessert while Kramer and George search for the right wine. Only nothing seems to work out the way they planned. Whew. 
I can already tell that that last part is so unnecessary. It's like saying hijinks ensue. We start with a stand-up bit as we always do. And this is another one that's kind of a funny premise that and I have a feeling in an actual stand-up, I have a feeling that a lot of these just are hindered by the fact that they're not filming a Jerry Seinfeld stand-up bit. They're filming Jerry Seinfeld on a TV lot doing stand-up for a bunch of extras. Mm-hmm. And and we're not getting normal. We're not getting regular reactions. We're getting like laugh track reactions because I have a feeling this one in, in a, a, an actual stand up setting will be pretty funny. Like landing on the moon was obviously a big mistake because everything has been compared to it ever since. Like, oh, they can land a man on the moon, but they can't do this. And so it would have been better if we never went to the moon because then everything would be, you know, when things went wrong, we'd be fine with it. Like, oh, it's no wonder I can't blah, 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 because we haven't even been able to send a man to the moon, uh, which I <laughs> I, that's just a hilarious premise. I really love this. Yeah, and and he continues to say, like, it just gives people who complain an eternal excuse. Uh, I, but I have a feeling I would have laughed more at it if I was actually watching him do stand-up. It only just kind of occurred to me um, as I was watching this episode that that's what kind of holds these back. Yeah. I'm always like, why isn't this funnier? You know, and I think that's <laughs> it. I think it's just the, the setting. You know, they're trying to recreate a moment that happened. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, you know, like, it doesn't work like that. Hmm, um, what would make Jerry yeah. Seinfeld funnier? <laughs> That's that's a laundry list. <laughs> so we open in Jerry's apartment, and this is kind of timely for us because we're doing this episode in January of 2020, and Elaine is upset that she got Happy New year and it's February. So interesting that they're airing this episode. We had talked about this, too, whether or not they knew when the episodes were going to air when they were filming them. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it's it's February. It's, it's the first week of February, and Elaine is upset that she has been Happy New year and Jerry goes, I got Happy New year in March once, uh, <laughs> which, they, which they hate, which I agree. Like uh, people have already stopped saying Happy New Year, which I'm, you know, I'm fine with. Yeah, and it, it's um, and it's halfway through halfway through January. Uh, I I definitely yeah. at this point it makes me think that they know when the episodes are airing because uh, this is too coincidental. If if not, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, no, totally, yeah. Um, and so they're going to a party. I think they mentioned right here, and Jerry asks if it's cold outside, and. Elaine says it's kind of cold. He's like, is it scary cold? And Elaine goes, what's scary cold? And right at that minute, George walks in in the ultimate puffy jacket, uh, which and and Jerry kind of motions to him going that, which is it's a a hilarious sight gag. Just seeing George in it. And then the the fact that they wrote that great entrance for him uh, is just hilarious. And once again, George is at the forefront of today's fashion because it doesn't get cooler quote-unquote than puffy jackets no this is this is like the epitome of well i I don't want to say it's the epitome of streetwear but george is like (laughs) the 2020 trend master right now yeah yeah (laughs) and throughout the series so far you know (laughs) oh man but okay so Uh, is is just the line it's gore-tex a a quotable line in the in the run of the show Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Gore-Tex is, uh, you know, it's Gore-Tex is a very quotable sort. And just this whole sight gag in general is is just too hilarious to not be <laughs> included in the Seinfeld greatest hits. And Jerry and Elaine, you know, start like hitting George in a very funny way to see if he can feel, <laughs> if he can feel anything. Th- this was incredible. <laughs> Elaine says we have to stop and get some wine to bring to the dinner party. And George is like, why do we have to bring something? We were invited. So it's rude to go if you're invited somewhere and you don't bring anything. Uh, <laughs> and at this point, you know, which is a which is a great point. You know, I, I would feel bad you're, when, you know, when you go to a dinner party, you're kind of supposed to bring a little something, mm-hmm. you know, like a bottle of wine, for instance. Um, and Jerry walks up and he kind of gives George, you know, something that George might have said in and of himself. He says, the fabric of society is very complex. <laughs> <laughs> and... And then George is like, I don't even drink wine. I drink Pepsi. And Elaine's like, well, we can't bring Pepsi because we're adults. (laughs) (laughs) And then George starts talking about whether wine is better than Pepsi. Uh, You're telling me wine's better than Pepsi? No. And and Jerry, I think it's Jerry who says, we can't like slam a giant two liter plastic bottle on the table. I I would love it if they did that. I, I mean, maybe it's because I I also don't drink, but I would not be opposed to someone showing up with like a two liter of pop. Yeah. Hey, you brought Pepsi. All right. Cool. We got a party. <laughs> yeah. I mean, George does have a point, but I agree with Jerry that the, the fabric of society is very common. Even if you want Pepsi, it's just not classy. Like they should exactly. really make Pepsi for dinner parties in glass bottles. <laughs> they, they do it with Coke. I'll I'll take a glass bottle Coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do they do like 750 milliliter glass bottles of Coke, you know? 
Uh, That's what they need. Yeah, no, no, they do? no, they don't. No, you're right. It, it's just, it's oh, just yeah. like, the, thinking, you know, maybe it's 20 it, ounces max. Yeah, it's just like the 16 or 20 ounce. Right, right. So Kramer comes in and he's driving because, as Jerry says, that thing won't fit in my car, motioning once again to George's giant Gore-Tex jacket. <laughs> uh, in Kramer's car, it's very cold. Um, and somebody, I think it's Kramer, calls George Bubble Boy, which is hilarious. Oh, no, no, it's Jerry for sure. And if Jerry says Bubble Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Elaine is like, well, there's four of us coming. We should get something else. We should get a cake, too. Um, And George says, I love this. I love this. Why don't you get some ring dings from the liquor store? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, once again, Elaine, like, you know, makes fun of him saying we can't bring ring dings to a party uh, which i by the way any if you want to make anything funnier say it comes from the liquor store it's just a funny phrase <laughs> you know i don't know what it is just one of those things you can't explain yeah it just is funny if you say it's get it from the liquor store it just becomes funnier but you know um if uh, we say you know if we show up and it, it, george says if i show up in ring dings and pepsi all of a sudden i'm gonna be the hit of the party which is great <laughs> <laughs> i i want to i want to ask you something before uh we move out of this scene um, did you notice, like, what, what was with Jerry trying to snuggle up with Elaine for warmth? Is that just because it's cold? It was just very, it was a very weird bit. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, harkens back to their playful ex relationship um, where they, you know, they were physical at one point, but also he he knew it would annoy Elaine. We know him, he enjoys annoying Elaine. Okay. But I think a little bit like, a little bit like a first grade boy enjoys annoying the girl that he has a crush on. Okay. Know? All right. And, and I mean, we, we get another one of these moments even before we're out of the car, but I'll, I'll bring it up in a second. Elaine and Jerry are going to go to the bakery. Yes. And Jerry and Kramer are going to go get the wine. Yes, yes. Uh, but, and, but are you talking about the part where she goes, you, what's your name? Yeah. What, what was that about? Yeah. Again, just another little playful thing, I think. And, okay. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, but like I'll do that all the time. Like not only because I'm bad with names, but because you know sometimes my my brain is working faster than my mouth, and I'll go, uh, "What's your name again?" You know, something like that. Like <laughs> it's just you know, she. It seemed like she was like trying to formulate a plan, and so it was like you know the fact that she waited, you know, the fact that he responded was kind of funny because most of the time people don't do that. That will happen to me, so I don't know if that's what was going on here or whether it was just another one of those funny kind of playful things. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Elaine and Jerry go into the Royal Bakery, which is actually actually a, uh, pl- a sign plastered on top of uh, via computer or chroma key or something. It's actually Royal Pastry. So why they felt the need to rename it Royal Bakery, Bakery I don't know. But it is a real place at 237 West 72nd Street. Or it was. It's now closed. And in the irony of all ironies, Royal Bakery, actually Royal Pastry, is now a Jenny Craig Weight Loss Center. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. At, at least, How about that? At least like the uh, Latvian Orthodox Church, it, it didn't become a planet fitness or was planned to become a <laughs> yeah. planet fitness that was the metro theater yeah at the oh, beginning of the stall yeah oh okay i thought i thought right, right. i thought we were talking about that was uh the old theater <laughs> yeah that was the old theater wait the, I, yeah you said russian orthodox church oh okay i'm i'm lost <laughs> so at you know royal bakery jerry starts talking about the black and white cookie as an analogy for racial harmony which is you know pretty funny because jerry's kind of on a high horse you know talking about uh, you know kind of cliche beliefs but also like i had never heard of the black and white cookie until this episode it you, must be a new york city thing you haven't no i I've, I've heard of the black and white cookie oh before seinfeld yeah yeah i i, I first All heard right. of it from like food network i, I think it is and uh I, i'm sure someone will definitely correct me if i'm wrong on twitter or in our email i think it is a uh, dessert that started predominantly with jewish people um i I, hmm. I feel like it is a dessert that is common in like a jewish bakery and it seems like we're in one of those because of what they're after in the the bakery it has a very eastern european sounding name so yes. you know I'm, I'm guessing it kind of falls under under that uh, elaine tells him after after jerry goes on his you know speech about the black and white cookie elaine tells him that senility is going to be a smooth transition for him which is pretty funny <laughs> that, that um, that's that's a that's and, a really good insult yeah yeah it's a pretty good burn and and they're, what they're after at this specific bakery, their specialty is the chocolate babka. So do you know what a babka is? No, I don't know what a babka is. Is, is it more than just a like chocolate cake? I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you knew. I got the idea it was like kind of a um like less of a less of a cake and more of like a flaky kind of bread, mm-hmm. a flaky breadish pastry. I really have no idea. I'm really just mm. talking out of my ass. So we're gonna have to write <laughs> it down for homework. Uh, we'll do babkas and black and white cookies oh, uh, for about 45 minutes next episode. Look yes. forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just gonna do a full hour on on uh, our, our, on Jewish desserts. <laughs> 
I think. Jewish bakeries and their impact on U.S. culture in the 1990s. Uh, what, what, what this all reminds me of, by the way, come back, it, we're not Mark Maron anymore. We're Rachel Maddow. You know how oh, Rachel Maddow no. will like, you know, well, we're going to tell you what went on in the news today. But first, here's what it has to do with the Peloponnesian War. Uh, <laughs> it, it all starts back then, you know. <laughs> if, if we're not <laughs> That's careful. That's what I become. If we're not careful, we're slowly encroaching on, like, comedy bang, bang, best of the year territory. <laughs> Is that what I've never heard that one? Oh, uh, it's like a four part yeah, special. Each one is like two and a half hours. <laughs> um, so, um, Jerry did does mention here, uh, that when they show up to the party, he wants to know if Elaine will hold the cake box because it's Elaine's like what too effeminate. He's like holding it by the little string on top by a couple fingers. And, uh, Elaine asked him if it's too effeminate. He said, it's a, it's a little dainty. It is a tad dainty, he says. Um, and so Jerry and Elaine, as they they're in line at the bakery. They realize they didn't take a number. Everyone else has been taking a number. And this is one of the most like egregious, socially awkward things that the gang has ever done is like they're like well we were here first we should get it like in any other situation any normal human would have been like oh man well i missed the last three or four numbers now i got to get a number like elaine ha- comes up with the idea to go ask a woman for her oh number yeah. because they were there first and uh, she actually does it well, why would they just not take a number they haven't been there for that long yeah and and i know that like again three or four people grab numbers in the time between when they noticed and when they should have grabbed a number but that's that's you just chalk that up as a human to a loss yeah i I mean like they've they've been there for uh, a a few minutes so what they've got to wait for four more people take a number now it's going to be an extra maybe five minutes yeah exactly and the fact that you like who thinks that anybody would go oh oh here you go here's my number i'll take another number because now five people have gone up and gotten another number so i'm going to be five people later than i would have been if i you know having given you this number it just makes no sense whatsoever yeah Yeah, who on earth is going to like give away their number in like a a ticketed format like that no one nobody at all yeah unless elaine thought that it was then that woman's job to go ask the person that grabbed a number after them for their number and create a domino effect that way which is also an insane thought to have (laughs) but but definitely not out of the realm of possibility for the gang yeah yeah but this is one of the most uh, like uh, you know unbelievable like social faux pas that they've committed in in a long line um over uh, with kramer and george in kramer car and you know Kramer can't uh, find a spot and George just tells him to double park uh, then they kind of fight a bit about who stays in the car while the other person you know goes and gets the wine and Kramer said he would stay in the car while George buys the wine all George is trying to do is get out of buying the wine mm-hmm. <laughs> and then George is like I've got the coat I'll be warm and Kramer's like well I'll stay in the car and, and he's like does he even work and Kramer goes no <laughs> um Back at the bakery, of course, a fight has started with the couple over the be- you know over the number being pulled, and Elaine thinking she's entitled to it. Um, did you recognize the dude from this couple? No, he plays the villain in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I don't even remember his name. Oh my god! We'll just have to again chalk this up to homework next week. But he plays the guy, the rich kid next door who wants Pee Wee's bike. Really? He plays the kid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kid is a, you know, a kid in the same way that um, that uh, Pee Wee Herman was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. So, yeah, he's like a, you know, a rich, a rich man, I guess. Um, and uh, <laughs> I might as well just look up his name right now because he's definitely going to be like second or third bill because. Oh, he's got to be. Uh, let me see. Yeah. He's definitely got to be up there. Uh, his name, I believe, is Mark Holton. Yes, as Francis, Francis Buxton. Yeah, we're doing early home, early homework. Um, he was also in the Teen Wolf film series. You might recognize him from that. Okay. I want to say, yeah, he did a ton of stuff in, uh, he was in The Naked Gun as the guy who yells, it's Enrico Palazzo, <laughs> which I remember. A League of Their Own, he plays older Stillwell from okay. that. Yeah, this dude is just, you know, he's just been in a ton of stuff. I, I, but I recognize him as Francis from Pee-wee's Big Adventure right off the bat. And while they're talking and fighting with this couple over the number, Elaine has a flash of recognition and she goes, are you Barbara Benedict? And she goes, yeah. She's like, I'm Elaine. We met at Linda's baby shower and they're both on the way over there right now and buying a cake on their way. And even the guy, even Francis, as I'll call him, recognizes Jerry. And uh, I think his number is David, maybe. Yeah, because Jerry goes, David. So it's David and Barbara Benedict. Uh, And right at that moment, the couple's number is called and they order a chocolate babka and what luck for them, at least unfortunate for our uh, protagonist. But it is the last of the signature chocolate babka from the royal bakery oh no it's almost like Mm -hmm. 
if Jerry and Elaine would have taken a number when they got there, because I'm sure they've been there before, they would have gotten that chocolate babka. Aw, man. Bingo. And also, if they just would have taken a number instead of arguing with David and Barbara Benedict, they would have had something much sooner. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. So, back over at the liquor store, you know, Jerry, I mean, uh, George and Kramer pick out a bottle. It costs 12 bucks. Uh, Kramer has no wallet. <laughs> yeah, that, that $12 is just way too much for George. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, un- it's uh, you might as well have said $1,200 <laughs> uh, because George is like so upset that he has to buy this bottle of wine. And Kramer doesn't have- carry a wallet around because it throws his spine out of alignment, which I want to mention because... In- in a few, I, I don't even know when it's going to pop up, but this will uh, wallets and spines and backs will will come into play really? in the Seinfeld universe. So it's okay. interesting that they're mentioned here. Yeah, I do like that Kramer mentions this because I do kind of the same thing. I never keep my wallet in my pants pocket anymore. I, I always just keep it like in my jacket pocket or somewhere else, you know, or, or like even my front pocket. I don't sit on it anymore. Yeah, I really should a get a smaller wallet and and b stop carrying it in my back pocket because there's just so much in there i don't need and it is yeah I, like if i'm on a long road trip or something I'll, I'll take it out and it's like so much more comfortable oh yeah sitting in a car without <laughs> it yeah back over at the bakery there's no babka so they're you know jerry and elaine are discussing what they should get carrot cake which i agree with with jerry is like you might as well not bring a dessert like why make carrots into a dessert i don't agree with him here because elaine says what about black forest cake and jerry says it's too spooky you're in the forest Ooh, uh, and i'm like what that is not a good reason not to buy a black forest cake. Uh, what, what they're is, decadent and what, delicious what is a black forest cake is it just like all like dark chocolate it's dark chocolate and i want to say there's cherry as well involved okay. somewhere which okay. i'm not a huge fan of but i'll eat you know if it's there gotcha uh and then one of them suggests a napoleon i think jerry suggests a napoleon because the other two are elaine's and elaine doesn't like the fact that he was you know a ruthless dictator who has a dessert named after him (laughs) (laughs) and then they see or someone points out to him a cinnamon babka and jerry goes another babka which i loved like they had no idea (laughs) that there was is there could there be another babka uh and elaine's like we can't show up with cinnamon babka because we know the chocolate babka is going to be there and she calls it a lesser babka but jerry defends cinnamon saying it's you know third in line to the throne of great uh seasonings after salt and pepper he's like it should be on the table of every um and and i don't agree with him in this point but i think he really just wants to get a cake and get out of there Mm -hmm. yeah i i I definitely i definitely think so too but he he's up on his high horse for cinnamon babka Yeah, yeah. Are you a cinnamon fan? Sarah is a huge fan. Like, she puts way too much cinnamon on everything. I mean, I'm not to the level of Sarah, but yes, I like cinnamon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like a good piece of, like, cinnamon toast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um... Like, but yeah, it, it could be it can be too much. But I agree that also it's a it's a lesser dessert flavor. You know, like it might be up there with seasonings as far as Jerry's concerned. But like behind chocolate, vanilla, hazelnut, caramel, like there's I could name like twelve other flavors that I prefer to really cinnamon. I I think I would put yeah. it in front of like uh caramel or caramel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Interesting. I I think I would put it in front of hazelnut. Um, mm-hmm. but it it's up there. Definitely not better than chocolate. I will agree. No, no. So it is, you know, we're, we're sort of falling on Elaine's side here. Uh, over at the liquor store, the uh, clerk is checking out the uh, George and Kramer. He's wearing a members-only jacket, which I think is pretty cool. The clerk is? Yeah, yeah. What Do you have a frame of reference? Because I remember asking one of our mutual friends, Gabe, about members-only jackets, and he had no frame of reference, either them being fashionable in the 90s, of course, because he's even younger than you, right? Yeah. And, and and so he had no frame of reference for that, and he had no frame of reference for them staging a bit of a comeback on kind of the ironic fashion tip. Like, I got one when I was in college, and it was definitely not cool uh-huh. then, but people thought it was, like, funny and ironic. Like, oh, my gosh, members-only, that's hilarious. And I'd say, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so what's your frame of reference for members-only? only uh my grandpa had one and it definitely we've had this discussion before i think i think we have uh he had one and uh i I mean he had one of the original ones probably when it was cool but he wore it and my grandpa was a handyman so he would always try to like fix things that like were broken so he definitely uh fixed it up with like electrical tape on the elbows whenever those busted out (laughs) nice 
Um, and I, yeah. I have that jacket now. I have it not in my possession. I believe it's at my dad's house. But man, it is it's a sight to see. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you do you think members only jackets are like funny and ironic or were you never around when they or do, do you not ever like, you know, um, time when you th- thought they went out of style? Like, oh, that's like something that lame people wear now. And now I'm wearing it like kind of ironically or do you not even is it none of that makes any sense or what uh i I mean it was never it was never stylish i thought yeah which is kind of like but it was never like it was also never like patently uncool no because there was a time in between fashion and irony when it was like oh don't get caught dead wearing a members only jacket those are in anymore you yeah know? i don't I, I i never thought of it like in any realm like as fashion either like in the past or in the future or in the present um yeah but so i i think just the idea that my grandpa had one in the 90s whenever i was growing <laughs> up that just makes it so wild to me to think that yeah like e- they could even be thought of as fashionable not even let alone that they are fashionable just the thought that they would be considered to be fashion you know <laughs> right right um so george you know ha- only has a hundred dollar bill to pay for with this bottle of wine and this liquor store doesn't have ninety dollars less than ninety dollars <laughs> in the tilt to give him back i cannot believe they can't change a hundred dollar bill but so kramer's like don't worry i'll go get change and he walks outside and yells anybody got change for a hundred <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> i mean it's asking to be mugged on the si- streets of new york city yeah <laughs> which it's so funny um so kramer's like we'll go buy something from the newsstand and get change there and George talks about how it like buying something to get change is like against his religion. If we could talk about George's religion again, <laughs> he hates the idea of buying something to get change over at the newsstand. You know, they buy a pack of gum. That's what you that's the typical thing you're going to buy when yeah. you need change. And the guy at the newsstand is like, no, I, I'm not going to change a hundred dollar bill for this, you know, 50 cent pack of gum. You have to buy more. So, all right. They start loading up a till mm-hmm. of uh, goods to buy from the newsstand <laughs> first, a newspaper. Okay. Then Kramer wants a Clark bar, and the clerk says, keep going. Still not uh, enough. And then yeah. Kramer, yeah, still not enough. And then Kramer does something that I alluded to him doing in the last episode, the stall. He's like, oh, we'll buy a penthouse forum, which is, um, <laughs> you know, sort of sort of p- pornography, but sort of not. It was obviously a collection of letters that used to appear in the beginning of Penthouse Magazine. Are you familiar with the penthouse forum? T- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were like these obviously probably written by a staff at Penthouse, but they said they'd get, they'd get these letters from people about these unbelievable sexual trysts that they had. And Kramer's like, oh, we can read them. It'll be great dinner conversation. We'll read them at the table. So once again, like he did with the 976 number, he's passing off, you know, like wanting to get off as humor. You know, he was like, Jerry, you got to prank call these phone sex lines. They're so funny. Even though when we heard him talking to the talking to Erica through the extension, it, it was sexual. He wasn't doing anything that would be considered a prank call. He was he was engaging in phone sex. So just yeah, like yeah. that, he wants to like, you know, talk about pornography <laughs> out in the open at this dinner party. And while it might be hilarious, it, you know, while, while the while the letters were you know, a source of humor for a lot of people. It, it, it's something with Kramer where he's like, it's a prank, bro. <laughs> Ch- like, chill out, man. It's just a joke. Yeah. I only like porn as a prank, please. You know, <laughs> it's not my kink to get other people to read it in public or whatever. <laughs> um, so they're up to now $6.75. And George is like, now with the $12 bottle of wine, uh, you know, I'm uh, he's, he's up around $20 for the wine and the stuff and he bumps an angry guy with his coat and i i don't know how i felt about this line but oh kramer yeah. i think mentions that you got to be careful with that thing you're going to start a war yeah because the man hey. i think of his, his arabic descent yeah the, the man uh he, he turns around and just yells big coat big coat the guy is, is definitely of middle eastern descent and <laughs> yeah i think this is a big old yikes for me man <laughs> yeah it's something about it uh something about it rang a little a uh, little sour in this day and age but um back at the bakery jerry is talking once again about the black and white cookie saying if only we would look to the cookie all of our problems would be solved and he raises you know maybe this was kind of them making up for that last racially insensitive joke Uh, you know he raises his cookie to an african-american gentleman who happens to be eating also a black and white cookie uh in the store as sort of like a you know a little bit of solidarity (laughs) yeah um i I did i did like this scene because it's like right after he says and still somehow racial harmony eludes us (laughs) yeah yeah he's like you know the perfect bite of the black and white cookie has a little bit of each 
You know, he's he's uh-huh. still extending his analogy for for racial <laughs> harmony and the black and white cookie. Um, and so they they this I, I forgot to mention earlier that they had purchased the cinnamon babka and Jerry got the black and white cookie at the same mm-hmm. time as that. And this is when they're in between the counter and the cashier. Elaine has noticed a hair on the cinnamon babka. And they talk about whether or not they can just pick it off and go to the party, which I think if you're bringing a communal cake, it's not right. But it was the right move in this situation because Jerry and Elaine would both know, just don't eat the babka. Yeah, I, I, I think that's totally fine. I don't know. Uh, who, who was it saying that they can just pick the hair off? Was that Jerry? Um, no, I, I think Jerry... No, I think it was Elaine and Jerry, the germaphobe, is like, we can't. Yeah, because well, Elaine has a great line here. Like, it was a, it was a, um, it was a small hair, and Jerry's like, that makes it better, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, then I, I'm definitely on Elaine's side here. I, just pick it out. No one's gonna know. Yeah, and, I, and then I, you I would, don't have to eat it. I would probably still eat it. I don't care. I would be. I'm much more. I'm. It, it sounds like you and I are on the same page. Like I'm probably way too comfortable with hair in my food than I should be. <laughs> I, I I think that comes back to like Grace and I's dog. Like, there is hair on every aspect of our apartment. The floors, our clothes, our couch, uh, our dining table. Like, I can yeah. I can take my clean clothes out of the hamper out of I wa- after I wash them, and there is dog hair on them. Yeah, yep, yeah. So that, that, that probably has something to do with it, too. It's like, all right, you know, everyone's hair is... And even Jerry and Elaine kind of have this conversation. Like, they kind of argue over whose hair is cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Jerry's like, you use that frou-frou stuff you get at the farmer's market. I use real shampoo that, like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> It'll tear out your roots. Um, and Jerry's like, why don't we just forget the cake? And Elaine gives him a very emphatic no. You know, it's one of those things like they've, they've gone this far. They're not leaving without a cake. Yeah. Uh, over at the liquor store, they finally buy the wine. George finally buys the wine and they come outside and they are double parked in to their spot in front of the liquor store. And George is, you know, very upset about this fact now. And Kramer is just reading Penthouse for him as he started to do in the liquor store. Now he's outside of the store. Also, not even paying attention to the predicament that they're in. And so they're hanging out outside of the store. It is nighttime now. We've yeah. had a commercial break in between. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, uh, and th- this is supposed to be like a, a large amount of time has passed because it's same scene, but it's I think day so. to night. I, I believe so. I think it's like we're, we're meant to think like maybe it's winter, obviously. So maybe this was like 4.30 to 5.30 or something like that. You okay. Know? So, so it's February. At, at, at least yeah. an hour. At least an hour. Okay. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would not be surprised. Um, and... Uh, George is talking about how stupid you have to be to uh, either stupid or just have no human decency to double park somebody in for this long. And and he does reference, we can put a man on the moon, but not something else. I don't know. So, so it, this is where the uh, stand-up bit from the beginning kind of plays mm-hmm. in, uh, comes into play. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, if it's not stupidity, yeah. it's, a, it's a blatant disregard for basic human decency. Um, <laughs> and then he, he brings in, he, then he says, this is not a society, this is anarchy. And they talk about how dictators are the only people who would be entitled enough to double park in like this. This is how dictators get started. <laughs> and, people who think they're entitled to double park another person in. And then he says, like, if I were to ever run for public office or something, I would bring the death penalty <laughs> to double parkers. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that, that seems like a, a completely logical reaction. <laughs> Uh, Back at the bakery, Jerry said he, you know, the reason why he was so adamant about the hair being coming off, which besides the fact that he's a germaphobe, just something about Jerry's character that we know, he had a bad experience with hair when he was younger. He found a hair in his farina and freaked out. He ran out of the house. They couldn't find him for three hours. I think they found him in a (laughs) a construction site, I think he said. Yeah, Uh, and it was just he was collapsed at a construction site. Not just they found him. He was like passed out. (laughs) Yeah, he had just he had just run and run and run. Um, at that point, you get your kid therapy, but I guess that's how we ended up with Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> the man, because they didn't, they didn't do that. Finally, their number is called, and while they're getting the replacement cake, the baker starts hacking up a lung while she's getting the cake, which also disturbs them maybe even more than the hair did. Um, <laughs> and so back at the car, uh, Kramer and George are sitting in the car now. And George is like, you know, really upset about being late, mainly because he's scared of Elaine uh, for being late. And he tells a story about one time when he had a, he was wearing a, a Panama hat and he showed up late to somewhere and he she pulled his head directly through the hat or something like that. <laughs> 
true to form back at the bakery elaine is saying wait till i get my hands on george remember that panama hat thing that was nothing yeah talking about how angry he is there and like at this point they're sitting on the floor like it's obviously been a super long time mm-hmm. oh, you know ha- hang on hang on one second before before we go too far back into this bakery scene yeah back at the car did you catch this uh awful adr bit no uh there's uh the people that come out and kramer and george both think they're the ones who double parked the car but george goes to confront them and the guy uh with his head turned away from the camera and his mouth is barely moving you hear back off puffball it's not my car <laughs> i did not notice that but there's some more horrible adr in the next scene in the oh, bakery oh yeah yeah <laughs> and, and, and there's one more towards the end of the episode that we will touch on <laughs> yes yes uh so back to the bakery elaine you know like i said elaine was talking about that jerry's stomach starts hurting and it, it was like uh, it's probably the cookie and elaine says something like not getting along and he's like i got david duke and farrakhan down there which is you know funny like so instead of like black and white racial harmony it's like the worst people you could ever ask to be in a room together um from those races uh are in his stomach and so he's gonna throw up and and break his vomit streak yes he um, he, he hasn't so- thrown up since june 29th of 1980 so uh, almost 14 years yeah and at that point this is where somebody is walking with a cane and they place it on elaine's toe and this is where this horrible adr it's this guy in like you know he looks to me like uh, edgar when edgar is wearing the edgar suit at the beginning of men in black okay and he's like sorry And it doesn't match up at all with the dude's face, and it looks so off. And oh I'm like, why in the world <laughs> I, I didn't, did they do this? I didn't even catch this one. Oh, my God. Oh, you didn't catch it? See, this is the nope. one that I... Sorry. Like, I went back and watched it so many times. <laughs> He's, like, got his chin pressed into his, like, chest kind of... Sorry. Um, and Jerry... Uh, comes out, comes back out of the bathroom at this point, I think, and um, or maybe he's on his way to the bathroom. At any rate, Elaine's like, "But what about you know?" Uh, and he's like, 14 years down the drain." Um, <laughs> back at the liquor store, Kramer is freezing. Like they've gone inside to to stay warm while they wait for the double Parker to come out. And Kramer, you know, he's too cold at this point. And the clerk kicks him out uh, because they're just kind of loitering in the store. And on his way out, well, not even on his way out, on his way to like motioning to Kramer, Mm -hmm. George knocks over about six or seven bottles of wine with his giant jacket. (laughs) And the clerk's like, you're paying for that. So now George is like, you know, if those were 12 bucks a piece, he's like in for, you know, 70 or 80 bucks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And probably the rest of his hundred. Back at the bakery, this is when Jerry comes out of the bathroom and Elaine's like, how was it? And Jerry goes, as good as it gets (laughs) (laughs) and outside the store so that's pretty much that scene Uh, outside the liquor store again george is forced to give it was forced to give his gore-tex to the clerk to pay for all the wine so i guess maybe that wine was even more expensive than the 12 dollar bottle that that they had maybe Um, and then a guy that looks like saddam hussein uh, comes out, you know, comes around the corner and gets into the double parked car and drives <laughs> off. So kind of referencing the fact that, you know, only dictators would be so audacious as to double park, you know, feel that entitled. But again, this is where we get more horrible ADR. Yes. Like Godzilla movie bad. It's so bad. Like, but even with this, the camera is on him. You see his face yeah. and his lips are barely yeah. moving. And he says, I wouldn't walk around here without a coat on in this weather. You'll catch your death of cold. <laughs> Um, but, but it's okay. even it's like I wouldn't walk around like that. Catch your death of cold. I'm like, what accent is that? I have no idea. But okay, I have to mention this. Uh, as you know, I watch these episodes with the captions on. Uh, Tim, you ready for this? Yeah. In the world sure. of Seinfeld, this is Saddam Hussein. This is not a guy who looks like Saddam Hussein. <laughs> this is Saddam Hussein because it says Hussein. I wouldn't walk around without a coat Hussein. on in this weather. You'll catch your death of cold. This is Saddam Hussein. <laughs> okay, I I love it. I, that's <laughs> like something you'd only learn by having the captions on. And you know, for sure, like you know, we were at war with Iraq at this point, but Saddam Hussein was uh, like he remained in power, and so he could have been in town visiting the UN or something like that. This so is, this is just so so wild so out of left field yeah yeah uh it's it's really weird so at the bakery george runs in very apologetic to elaine talking about the double parker and stuff like that he says it might have been saddam hussein except he had a british accent so also in the world of seinfeld that was a british accent which i call bs on 
<laughs> I don't know what accent that I, was, but it I definitely have was no not. Idea. It, it wasn't. It was not British, but it also was not Iraqi. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elaine said, "You know, Elaine is is limping." And George's like, "What happened to your foot?" She's like, "Someone put a cane on my foot, just like the one I'm going to put up your." And that's when Jerry interrupts <laughs> her, and um, you know, uh, th- then George is like, "What'd you get? Um, uh, what's that?" what's in the box or whatever is a cinnamon babka and George goes cinnamon why not chocolate and Elaine like gets <laughs> pissed again before Jerry has to defuse George you know what just drop it he says something like that uh, back in Kramer's car they're on their way to the party now and they're all shivering because George doesn't have a coat now that he doesn't work in the car uh, at the so they show up to the party they show up to the apartment they knock on the door all four of them and they're like here's your cake here's your wine see you later and then they had to, <laughs> they just walk off and we get one more stand-up bit, and this is about how he read somewhere, I guess, or a weatherman said that 75% of your body heat is lost through your head, which means you can ski naked if you have a good hat. And then <laughs> uh, we see something odd from Jerry Seinfeld, some prop comedy, yeah. which we don't uh, see. This was so This may be the first time. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, the, the, the dumbest hat is the hat with the flaps, which I totally agree with. That That's like, I call, I call it maybe the Elmer Bud hat uh-huh. or something like that. But he's like, if you're ever going to, they might as well call this the insanity defense hat. And he's like... Your Honor, the defense rests. And then he puts the hat on. And even Jerry looks unsure as to whether this was the right comedic decision, you know? (laughs) He looks very self-conscious with it on. I kind of felt bad for him. I think he immediately knew, like, oh, this is a bad idea. (laughs) This seems like something that an executive of NBC... Uh, was telling Jerry and Larry David is like, oh yeah, have you heard of this uh, hot new comic Carrot Top? He does these prop bits. Uh, we we want to see like one of these worked into the show somehow. And Jerry was just doing this to like appease the network. Yeah, because it doesn't suit him, and even even no. he looks unsure about the bit. And if there's one thing Seinfeld is never unsure of, it's his own material. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so it's just kind of weird, but um, but I, well, I totally agree with the premise. Again, it it. Because of his the way he performed it, I guess it didn't work. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree. Uh, did you have anything else for this stand up um, bit? No, that's it. Okay, cool. Um, do we yes. have any homework for this episode? I I, I want to look up uh, the guy from Barbara and David Benedict who and see him in Pee Wee. Uh, I want to look up. Yeah, Bobka. We, we got we got to look up what Bobka yeah. is, and I think that's and black it? and white cookies. Oh yeah, Bobka and black and white cookies, uh, and see like their possible uh religious a- ancestry or origin uh but i'm not sure yeah. see see like where they came from prominence um and did we want to yeah come at least up- cultural yeah exactly uh was there anything else homework wise i don't think so all right did we want to come up with a better description i bet we can okay so we have en route to a dinner party elaine and jerry pair off to find a perfect dessert while kramer and george search for the right wine only nothing seems to work out the way they planned (laughs) Uh, just like i predicted at the beginning of the episode cut it right before only cut it right after wine yeah i i think i think so too uh but you know what i would also get ru- rid of en route to a dinner party i just say elaine and jerry pair off to find a perfect dessert for a dinner party while kramer and george search for the per- search for the right wine i, I don't like how i'm fine with that too I-, I don't like how it starts off en route to a dinner party i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm i'm fine with that perfect just a just a small grammatical aesthetic correction shortens shortens it up corrects some of the grammar uh so next week we actually do have season five episode 14 (laughs) the marine biologist a marine biologist i guess i should say Uh, original air date february 10th 1994 and i if you listen to last week's episode you already know the description if you're looking (laughs) at tv guide that night you're gonna see george poses as a marine biologist guest carol kane hmm Hey, I think I know who that is. Kimmy Schmidt, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, just go back and look. <laughs> Maybe I'll cut and paste the, the, the one from that week. No, no. <laughs> you know what? No, we'll just leave, leave it as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, um, okay, so I guess that's that's next week. Yep. Is that it? I think so. All right. Uh, for I, No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.